Welcome to Brain Power with Dr. Echo, where each week we discuss how your family can boost brain health by addressing mind, body, emotional, and environmental health. And now here's the episode. Hello, you have a treat in store for you today. So today I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Funke Afolabi Brown. She's an amazing pediatric sleep expert, and I will let her introduce herself because she will do it better justice than I can. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Funke. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here today. Yes. So glad you could come on. So can you please tell us more about you? Sure, sure. Yes. Like you said, I'm Dr. Funke Afolabi-Brown. I am a sleep physician and I am the founder of Restful Sleep MD. And my mission really is to help empower kids and their parents to prioritize sleep so that they can thrive and live to their fullest potential. And so I really do this through, you know, speaking. I have an, my practice opening soon and also through coaching moms because we do know that the struggle is real when sleep is concerned. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. Yes, the struggle is real. Yes, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was me like last night with my three, my, my six-year-old who decided to show up and with her head on my legs and the whole night. So yes. <laughs> We want to empower parents of children with ADHD and autism as they go back to school. And what are ways that parents can help optimize the sleep of their children? Yeah, so I think the first thing to start with is really figuring out what your goals are when it comes to your child's sleep and how it impacts their their, their school, right? So we do know in children that sleep poor sleep will negatively affect their academic performance, their mental health, focus, and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And we also know that when kids are coming back from summer vacation, a lot of times the schedules are a little bit erratic, right? Because they've not really, maybe they've not necessarily had any um, structure uh, before, over the summer, right? So things may be a bit laid back, meaning that they may be going to bed later, waking up later, taking naps, you know. And so I think it's really important to then see how that might impact their school when school starts. So depending on the age of your child, they may need to now wake up at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or even earlier, especially if they're in middle or high school and you're in a school that still has this really early school start times. And so what that ends up doing is it can lead to sleep deprivation. And so that sleep deprivation is just something that they're going to have a hard time trying to pay off in that sense, right? So they're going to go to school tired where they're expected to learn. They may have issues with focus and memory and creativity. You may start as a parent to get calls from school. Now, the goal of this is not to paint the worst case scenario. There is hope. <laughs> and so I think once you figure out, I don't want any of that. I want my child to wake up excited about school, to wake up with energy, to be able to learn um, and have good behavior in school and things like that. So if that's your goal, then we have to say, what do we need to do to get there? And the best place to start is where you are. And there are different ways that we can use to go about this. And regardless of where you are, I think one thing to realize is there's hope, there's help. 
Yeah. There are sort of three ways I would say um, that you can approach this. You can do this really gentle route. Honestly, depending on where you are and when you're listening to this recording, that may not be possible anymore because this is something that you probably want to do about a month or so before school starts. Right. The second is sort of more of that medium um, transition. Right. And then the third is kind of the cold turkey method. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think it all depends on where you're starting from. So when we talk about the gentle, it's more of, okay, if you realize like my child who typically is supposed to be going to bed at 8 p.m., maybe my, uh, you know, my eight-year-old or something supposed to go to bed at 8 p.m. and wake up around, you know, 6 or 7 a.m., and so to figure that out, you then have to see where are they, right? If they were, if they're falling asleep at 11 p.m., okay, again, no judgment. Right. Um, and maybe they're waking up close to noon. So you can see that then you're going to need to move them back by three hours or so, right? So right. you have to kind of figure out that a little bit of math. And, and then you start with, with that. So the gentle approach is literally maybe every week you're moving that schedule forward right you're moving it earlier so you're almost like advancing their circadian rhythm because over the summer that rhythm has shifted right so their body clock now is becoming more used to waking up much later so I think that would be the best if it was if I had to you know voice my opinion because it's more gentle but right. then that's hard because then it's like a whole month of that what are what are they supposed what am I supposed to do with them now they wake up early right <laughs> <laughs> because as a mom, right, getting them to sleep in a little bit gives you a little bit of me time, you know. So again, no judgment. So um, so that's one approach. Again, it depends on how driven you are, right? That's what would determine it, how driven and committed you are to that process. And then what your kids' sleep needs are. If you know that you're someone who your child with any little change just seems to fall apart, then you may want to try that gentler approach. And if you the good thing about having that month is that. If it's too, if 30 minutes a week is too much, you can actually move it by 15 minutes. So you have room to play. Right. Then the second is sort of the medium approach where we say about two weeks or so. So depending again on where for us in um in my neck of the woods in the East Coast, we're approaching that two-week mark. Mm -hmm. And so in that kind of situation, um, it's almost the same. So you're moving that clock by two weeks, but you're by every, maybe every three to five days or so. So you're moving it by, you know, again, about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, watching out for your child's sensitivity, but essentially you're advancing faster, a little bit faster. And then the cold turkey approach is you do nothing, maybe the day before they start school, when they've been sleeping at, you know, again, they've been waking up at uh, about 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. You just wake them up at six. So right. you know, they're short about five hours of sleep. So that's going to be really hard. And it takes a little bit of time for kids to be able to make that adjustment again, because you're re almost like you're realigning their circadian rhythm with what you would expect the, um, the school schedule to be. So that mm -hmm. tends to be much harder. Those are the kids that I end up seeing in, you know, in my practice to say his sleep fell apart when school started. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, if the, the, the gentle approach is way too long and convoluted to you, then maybe stick to the medium approach. Or if you're someone who your child is just like happy-go-lucky, don't doesn't really get any feel any any kind of way with abrupt changes, then you know what? It's fine to go cold turkey. 
Wonderful. Thank you for that explanation. So yeah, definitely. There you go, parents. You have three options. But of course, like Dr. Funke pointed out, the gentle approach is probably going to be best, especially since we're dealing with children who have ADHD and autism who, mm. who prefer to have routines set and don't do usually don't do very well with routines shifting. So so yes, please, I hope you listen and you you take this into consideration to help your children. So speaking of moms, right? So how can moms themselves improve their sleep so that they can help their children? Well, that's a, that's a great question because especially with children who are, you know, neurodiverse, right? They feed off of the parents' energy. So when they see that mom is stressed, mom's exhausted, they get that vibe and they may start to feel that stress and anxiety. And that stress and anxiety plays into sleep as well, increasing that, you know, uh, what we call the hyperarousal and things like that. So I think the important thing is first understanding that your own sleep health matters as a mom, that you're not being selfish for choosing you because the best version of you is the well-rested version of you. So you first have to come to terms with that. And I think that's a struggle for most moms because we just feel like if I choose me, that means I love my child less. No, you choose you because you do love your child. So I think that's something, a roadblock, a mental roadblock that I would encourage you to first cross as a hurdle. And then, you know, setting out time. And what does that look like? It looks like even you as a mom having a routine because we want to be role models, right? So if you are on your, for example, if you are on your device, like, you know, till late hours, and then you're trying to tell your child to put their device away, it's going to be hard to, to negotiate that or navigate that. So you want to be that role model because the same way the blue light and the devices and the, you know, the excitement, all that from those devices, the same way they impact our kids, they also impact us as moms. And so you want to try to make sure that you create a system where you know, you're putting those away, you're setting up a routine for yourself. And, and also that you are really making sure that you're mindful of, you know, what's going on around bedtime. Because a lot of moms tend to experience, you know, the mind racing, all the guilt, especially if you have a child with either ADHD or autism, you felt like you yelled, you felt like you didn't parent right, you felt like things could have gotten done better, did they embarrass you, you know, you just come up with all those thoughts. So I would say as part of your routine, you know, making sure that you create space to process a little bit to journal it may feel like everything went awry the entire day nothing went well but when you dig deep you will find that a couple of things went well and start with that start with that gratitude so incorporating sort of journaling and reflecting as part of your routine is healthy taking a bath um or a shower something of that sort to kind of help you also wind down and also actually cool down your core body temperature is something that i believe is very helpful mindfulness practices either by prayer meditation you know even journaling is a mindfulness practice so incorporating those things as part of your routine is really helpful because that way then you get better sleep better rest and then you're waking up more rested as well, right? Yes. And and I think that's just what I would say to, to start with. Now, of course, if your child is running around the house and is not sleeping and is fighting bedtime, 
then you're not going to be able to create that me time for yourself. So making sure that as you're doing it, let's let some of your motivation, in addition to helping your child be well rested for their own brain development, for their learning, let there be a partial selfish motivation, which is because I need me time too. So you're not just going to leave it and hope for the best, right? You have to be intentional about it, um, about getting your kids to, to sleep well. And then, of course, reach out for help. If you're in need, if you're struggling, if you feel this is way beyond what you, um, how hard you thought it was going to be, then reach out for help because you don't have to do it alone. Amen. <laughs> You don't have to do it alone. I'm serious, moms. I, I mean, I'm a mom of three kids and and several things you said, being intentional, ditching the mom guilt about if I don't spend time with my kid, then therefore I must be a bad mom. That's such a lie, you know, mm. that our brain tells us. And, and we're giving you permission, both as mommies mm. and as physicians, not to believe every thought that comes in your head, especially yeah. those that try to make you feel less than because the truth is we can't really take care of our kids until we first take care of ourselves so it's mm-hmm. highly impossible to take care of anybody mm-hmm. else if you don't take care of yourself because sooner or later you're gonna crash and burn and then what mm-hmm. it's gonna happen to mm-hmm. your precious child so even the journaling I've tried it myself it definitely helps to empty out your brain and mm-hmm. finding a few things that you're grateful for is life-changing mm-hmm. I <laughs> said that yes and, mm. and I found that that's true too so what would you say in terms of the sleep routine for children who are neurodiverse what are some few tips that parents can implement to help that nighttime routine go better mm-hmm. yeah no that's great I think the first step is establish one yes yeah make sure there's a routine because not everybody has because sometimes you're just so exhausted as a mom that you're like just get into bed, good night, right? And or you just kind of run them around the house until they're tired and they crash, right? So establish a routine because that is something that helps children who are neurodiverse because they seek, um, you know, that schedule and they seek out those routines. They want things, they want to be able to anticipate what's next because there's a lot of things that are out of their control. But when they know what is coming next, it's not something that's sprung up on them and they don't have to go through very sudden transitions. It actually makes bedtime easier. That's one. And then it helps them with just winding down, right? A lot of times they are like ready to go, but really starting to, establish a routine will kind of cue their brains to say okay it's time to start to wind down so I mean I think you have to find what works for your child what I really encourage is about two or three activities calming relaxing activities heading in the direction of the bedroom okay so two or three meaning not too long right Right. so anywhere from 30 to about 45 or 60 minutes nothing too convoluted or long so that's two or three calming because I know that sometimes you feel like they have too much energy and so you put them on the trampoline just before bedtime or you send them outside to play basketball just before bedtime because you want to wear them out actually that may end up increasing that 
um, you know, the adrenaline surge and makes it harder for them to fall asleep. So calming is one of them. And then heading in the direction of the bedroom, because sometimes we go up and then they're like, I want a snack. And so we go down to the kitchen. Oh, I want to go see what's going on with the dog. And then they go outside. Oh, like, can we play a real quick game of dribble? And then you're just moving around and everybody's tired, right? So two to three heading in the direction of the bedroom. So usually I would say, you know, having a snack, then hygiene. So bath, toothbrush, PJs, you know, change their underwear, that kind of stuff. And then you start to kind of think through what are things that we can do that can help with bonding. So things like reading, cuddling a little bit to talk about their day, you know, while some calming music is being played in the background. So those are some things that you could do if you're someone who does prayer, praying or singing a song with them around that time is really good. Give them a hug and then you head out. And one thing that helps to help our kids with um, either autism or ADHD to follow this, another thing, especially if you're someone who struggles, um, who has bedtime struggles with your kids where it's taking them so long, is sometimes visual schedules also help. So you can get that from online. Just Google it and print it out. It doesn't have to be fancy. If you want one that's like fancy, a little fancy, you could go on Amazon and get it. Um, And so it shows like brush teeth and then they could put a check mark. Now, bath, they put a check mark drink water, put a check, right? Get into bed. So they are actually active participants in that routine. And so then it, again, it gives them some more control, um, but it helps you get their buy-in versus you trying to just push, you know, seemingly push them around or things like that. Right. Oh, wow. Yes. That is so important. I love Mm -hmm. the visual um, chart you mentioned because definitely Mm -hmm. kids want to feel like they have some control over stuff mm. that's going on in their life because yeah. if you mentioned so much of it is not under the control. So, mm-hmm. wow, that's great. That's wonderful. So are there snacks you would say don't eat before bedtime versus others? Yes. So definitely nothing that contains caffeine. And it's interesting, the things that contain caffeine, even those beverages that say decaffeinated actually contain caffeine. Mm-hmm. So really, you want to avoid any his tea, any sodas or coffee, of course, you know, energy drinks, all that you want to try to avoid. And then, you know, a rich protein rich snack, you know, maybe you could do like a little bit of, you know, lunch meat or maybe some nuts, um, depending on the age, of course, not for any child that's younger. Right. Uh, you could do like a cheese stick, some apple slices with peanut butter. So something really simple, um, just so that, I mean, especially depending on what dinner time, sometimes dinner time would have been much earlier in the day. So that way you're not getting that I'm hungry um, complaint. So you cannot take care of that much earlier at the time of the routine. Yes, yes, that's definitely important. And I like that you pointed out protein because that way they don't have the highs and lows of the sugar if they yeah. take thing with that's carbs and caffeine, like you mentioned. So that's wonderful. So can you, this has been amazing because I too have learned a few more tips for my patients. <laughs> mm. So um, where can parents find out more about you? You mentioned asking for help. So mm-hmm. how they, where they can find you to get more help that they need. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. So I'm on social media and I'm on Restful Sleep MD. So that's one place where I do share a lot of tips on how to get our kids to sleep better, 
how moms can create space for themselves and ditch the guilt like we talked about when it comes to sleep. And also my website is restfulsleepmd.com. So that's also a place where as a mom who might need coaching to just kind of navigate all this, I provide that support and you could schedule a free, I actually offer a free discovery call, 30 minutes long free discovery call with no strings attached, really talk about your sleep needs and if, if and how I can support you. And then very, very recently, I announced my practice that's opening. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to open in October. And really, I'm so excited, really catering around children and young adults with various sleep conditions, whatever it is. Even if you are not sure your child has a sleep condition, then you probably should just come check it out. Uh, Really, for now, it's a telehealth practice, but it's mainly catering to people in Pennsylvania and New Jersey right now because that's where I'm licensed. But I hope to expand that coverage over time. So if you are or you know somebody who is in the Pennsylvania or New Jersey area, or if you're able to get there, then definitely... Uh, you could get on the wait list. And that way, once my practice opens and we start scheduling, you'll be the first to know. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> That's huge. Thank yes, you. Parents, do yourself a favor and get on the wait list. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Funke, I assure you, is the best of the best. So thank you again so much for, ha- for taking time out of your busy day to grace us with your wisdom and, and just your grace. like. You're just always so wonderful to be around. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye, everyone. Thank you again.